Hello, welcome to episode 10 of Time of Death. I'm Riss. And I'm Dee. And we are two nurses who like to discuss true crime from a nursing perspective mm-hmm. with our medical and psychiatric background. So we're just going to jump right in. Just a um, fair warning for our listeners that this is a sensitive case. It deals with suicidal ideation and there's also deaths of children and babies in this oh my god why are you doing this to me i'm sorry um it's a very tragic case as i'm you're talking about murder why are you doing this to me (laughs) it's a tragic case and um, it's recent as well so our case is about Lindsay clancy um, she was born in 1990 in Wallingford, CT. Oh, God. She began as a nurse in Massachusetts, where she um, married Patrick Clancy. The two of them lived in Duxbury, which is about 45 minutes from Boston. Um, so Lindsay was a labor and delivery nurse at Massachusetts General Hospital, and she was 32 years old at the time of the accident. Mm-hmm. What um, accident? <clears throat> so allegedly, she murdered her three children um, and then attempt to kill herself by jumping out of a window. Wait, I think I heard about this. You probably did. It was very publicized. Oh, my God. So there's three kids, five-year-old Cora, three-year-old Dawson, and then eight-month-old Callan. She was charged with murder, strangulation, or suffocation, um, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. So she had used exercise equipment to kill the babies. Um, so we're just going to get into this. Um, this deals a lot with postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. Mm-hmm. Mothers who have recently given birth to a new baby have symptoms such as hallucinations, delusions, reality, or disconnect from reality. Um, they can have nightmares, panic attacks. Um, postpartum depression and psychosis can be caused by hormonal changes. Um, life changes, um, sleep deprivation, mm. increased anxiety, or physical changes as well. Um, oftentimes, mothers who undergo postpartum psychosis are un- unaware or unable to recognize the severity at the time, and then later on they feel shock at the actions that they may have committed. So, Lindsay gave birth to. Her third baby, Callan, or Cal, um, in May 2022. She was on maternity leave from uh, Massachusetts General. And in September 22, she started experiencing increased anxiety prior to her scheduled return to work date. So she visited two psychiatrists and they diagnosed her with generalized anxiety disorder. Throughout her postpartum period up until January 2023, which is when the killings occurred, she was prescribed 13 different psych meds um, for treatment of anxiety, depression, insomnia, etc. Medications such as Ambien, Clonopin, Valium, Ativan, Prozac, Lamictal, Remeron, Seroquel, Zoloft, Trazodone, Atarax, Amitriptyline, Buspar, and Benadryl. That's just crazy off the rip. Like, granted, like, the postpartum care in the United States is very much lacking. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, they diagnosed her with GAD, 
but the polypharmacy that's going on is crazy. Like, 13 different psych meds. Yeah. Multiple benzos. Yeah. So, this is, like, all the meds throughout her. She was prescribed, I think, at most four to five different meds at one time. So, these aren't all at the same time. Um, and we'll get way into that because even her lawyer at the arraignment went into detail about how postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis is not given as much time in in the light yeah. as it should be mm-hmm. and it affects way more women and mothers you, than you would think and it's really just you know the solution a lot of the time is throw medications at yeah. it and just keep throwing meds at in different combinations different dosages until they work so this is just a really devastating case so her husband patrick said okay she took all the meds she was prescribed um, she was very, very diligent about making sure all her medications were taken as prescribed. She kept a journal detailing daily activities, her mental state at the time, and medication use as well. She kept like tangible notes as well as notes on her phone. Mm-hmm. So um, she had, there was no indication of disorganized speech, hallucinations, delusions, et cetera, documented in these. Notes. Um, they were extremely meticulous, the clear, precise, articulate. She did write of intermittent SI or suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. She would document her difficulty with her medications, mm-hmm. and then she would also document changes made by her psychiatrist and how they were going to combat her symptoms from then on out. On October 25th, 2022, she writes a note on her phone. And it says, I think I sort of resent my other children because they prevent me from treating Cal like my first baby. And I know that's not fair to them. I know that. I was feeling so depressed last evening when Cora and Dawson came home from school. I know it runs off on them, so we had a pretty rough evening. I want to feel love and connection with all of my kids. So this, to me, just kind of emphasizes that disconnect that she was feeling and i think yes you can have you know it's it wanes and waxes the symptoms of postpartum depression mm-hmm. and psychosis and to me just and i know the prosecution was really emphasizing oh she it was so articulate it was like so well thought out you could still be psychotic and Absolutely. able to plan and have have your lucidity intact you know what i mean it i i agree it's less common presentation but it still happens Mm -hmm. and then also you're looking at this was she even in some kind of talk therapy like i don't think so i could not find anything we'll get more into the timeline i could not find anything about like a psychotherapy like talk therapy um, which is just devastating because i think she was dealing with this a lot on her own i mean i know Patrick would check in with her a lot about her symptoms. Her husband would check in with her, but it's just, it does not, it's not treated the way, there's no exact way to treat this because it can vary so much and it just was not given as much thought and dedication as it should have been, to be honest. So a couple months later, December 20th, 2022. She had an evaluation at Woman and Infants Hospital for Women's Behavioral Health in Providence. She was told by psychiatrists that she had no symptoms of postpartum depression 
and was not diagnosed with postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis at this time. In late December 2022, she reported having feelings of wanting to hurt herself to her husband and also thoughts of wanting to hurt her children. That's a... Okay, so right there, that should have been... Okay, she's going to either hurt herself Mm -hmm. or her children. Mm -hmm. We need to remove her from the home. And that is just crazy to me how... I mean, I know these things can happen so fast and that going from you know, not actively a threat to your children to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to kill somebody. Like, no, I'm, it's gradual. So at late December, she told this to her husband, she got help for this. January 1st, 2023, she had a voluntary admission to McLean Hospital in Belmont, Massachusetts. Mm. And she stayed there for about five days and was discharged home on the 5th of January, 2023. She was deemed safe, no risk to self or others. Um, and the time after this, she had been feeling better per her husband. Um, she resumed all normal behaviors, activities. She stayed alone with her children at times. Um, and she was improving for all intents and purposes. In mid-January 2023, Patrick asks Lindsay explicitly, do you have any SI or suicidal ideation, which she denies. On the weekend of January the 21st, 2023, um, Lindsay's parents visit and interactions were appropriate, normal behavior. Her mom, Lindsay's mom watched the kids. Lindsay went and ran errands, um, just like normal. January 22nd, Lindsay texts her mom to make sure she got home safely after their visit. And mom says, nice to see you doing better. That night, Lindsay, Patrick, Cora, and Dawson, which are her two older kids, have dinner at Kyle Carney's house, who is Patrick's friend. Mm-hmm. And Patrick says that she was behaving pretty normal. She was at her baseline. Nothing really concerning happened during this dinner. And Patrick had confided in Kyle about Lindsay's struggles with the anxiety about returning to work, you know, difficulties with medication regimen. And she had also been trying to taper off benzodiazepines okay. as well. Um, so she, he had been confiding in friends and family about their struggles. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, her, her mom was aware and she had a bit of support. I still don't think it was adequate. I think mm-hmm. there should have been um, def- definitely more intervention for her there. I don't think that was safe. The day before the crime took place, January 23rd, Lindsay writes in her diary that she has a touch of postpartum anxiety. Mm. Um, January 24th, 2023 is the day when the crimes occurred. Um, That day, Lindsay took Cora to her pediatrician for a doctor's appointment. Interactions with reception, nursing staff, and the doctor were all normal. Her and Cora left the pediatrician after their visit. Everything was good. Lindsay came home and was playing in the snow with Cora and Dawson. They built a snowman together. Lindsay was texting photos of the kids playing to her mom and to Patrick. This is all normal behavior. Okay. Then we're going to get into a strict timeline of everything that went down that day. At 4.02... 
Lindsay searched on her cell phone, kids Miralax. So maybe her kids were struggling with pooping. I don't know. Anyway, Mm -hmm. at 4.13, Lindsay searched takeout 3V in Plymouth, um, Massachusetts. There's a restaurant called 3V. So after she searched takeout 3V, she did apps to find out the distance from her house to 3V, like how long it would take to get there. At 4.47, she searched for CVS's number and called CVS in Kingston to ask if they had kids Miralax, where she talked to the manager. Manager said, okay, she seemed normal. Everything was pretty much mm-hmm. like every other conversation yeah. I've had with, with a customer. At 4.53, she texted Patrick, and Patrick was working downstairs in their basement. They have his little home office area. And so he was working, and she asked via text if he wanted takeout from 3B because um, she didn't cook anything for dinner, and she said it's been a long day. Um, and he says, yes, I do. That sounds good. At So then she's like, okay, look in, at the menu, see what you want, let me know. So he picks out something for himself and lets Lindsay know at 506 and then Lindsay calls and places the order at v3 gives patrick's name and um the person who took her order there said okay she was normal too like mm-hmm. nothing was out of the ordinary at 515 patrick leaves to go get the food and also to pick up kids pedialax liquid stool softener mm-hmm. at cvs so at 5.32, he arrives at CVS, makes the purchase, tells Lindsay at 5.33, she doesn't answer. At 5.34, they end up talking on the phone, and she tells Patrick exactly what she wants for the kids, the medication she needs, and Patrick later says she seems a little bit distracted, but it wasn't really that concerning to him. At 5. 54, um, Patrick picks up takeout at 3B, and during this time, it's about 55 minutes until he comes back home. Um, Lindsay had killed Cora and Dawson using exercise bands to strangle them and had used exercise bands on Callan as well. He was severely injured, but he was still alive. Um, And then after she had killed those two and attempted to kill Callan. She jumped out the second-story window of her bedroom, and she landed in the lawn. She was severely injured as well. Um, at 6.09, Patrick comes home. Um, she had, like, been in the backyard laying on the ground, so he didn't see her. He didn't see anything off at first. So he comes home, doesn't hear or see anything, which is weird because you've got three kids, yeah, and you you would think you'd, at least hear something or see something. He tries calling Lindsay. She doesn't answer. Um, he tries opening the bedroom door and it's locked. But he did manage to get it open. And he saw blood on the floor in front of a floor length mirror in the room. And he sees the window open. And then he panics, runs to the backyard, finds Lindsay, who had cuts on her wrists and neck. Bleeding was controlled. Um, he calls 911. He asks Lindsay, what did you do? And Lindsay says, I tried to kill myself and jumped out the window. Patrick asks Lindsay where the kids were, and she tells him they're in the basement. 
EMS comes and Patrick tells them to stay with Lindsay while he goes and gets the kids inside the house in the basement. So he still has the um, 911 on the phone. phone. He goes into the house. He goes down into the basement and 911 can hear him say, guys, like calling out for them. And then they hear screaming and they hear agonizing, painfully devastated screaming so patrick found cora and cal on the floor in the den area which was to the left and he also found dawson in the area to the right where patrick's home office was all of them had exercise bands still in place around their necks dispatch is hearing him screaming and saying i need help i need help and so they send officers down And Patrick is trying to save the babies. He's saying, once he sees the officers, he says, she killed the kids. Cora and Dawson were brought to the hospital where they were declared dead. Um, Callan was life-starred to another hospital, and he stayed on life support until he passed away three days later. Uh, Lindsay was transported to the ER and treated for injuries to her spine. She had broken bones in her ribcage in her back. On that same night, January 24th, Patrick was interviewed by police um, where he had said that she was having one of her best days. Um, She seemed happy. There was no indication that she was any threat to herself or others, including her kids. Um, A couple days later, on the 27th of January, Lindsay uses a whiteboard to ask, do I need an attorney? She was intubated at the time, um, so prosecution is using this as like, a, she's aware of the crime. She is able to protect herself. That whole thing. On February 5th, 2023, at 1.35, Paul Zizel is a psychologist hired by the defense team. And he is there to evaluate Lindsay's mental state. And Lindsay uses his cell phone to call Patrick. He doesn't answer. She leaves a voicemail and says that she loves him. And then the next day, February 6, 2023, uh, at 10.09, Lindsay is with Zizel again, where she uses his phone again to call Patrick. And the two have a conversation. And she tells Patrick she had a moment of psychosis after he left. And she heard the voice of a man telling her to kill her kids Mm -hmm. and herself because it was her last chance. And Patrick denies ever hearing that Lindsay had ever heard voices in the past. On February 7th, um, there was an arraignment. Her lawyer, Reddington, said that Lindsay is still suicidal. She's extremely emotional. However, she's unable and has been unable to express any happiness or sadness or cry. Um, He also goes in depth about how society is unable to treat postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. And the treatment is typically, you know, medicate, change meds as needed. And he says that um, women or mothers struggling from these conditions are completely abandoned by society. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the defense is saying she's over-medicated, wasn't able to differentiate right from wrong at the time, and 
that she had postpartum psychosis, having hallucinations, delusions. Prosecution, on the other hand, says, okay, she was never diagnosed with postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis. They're also saying, okay, these crimes were obviously premeditated. She was able to search how long it would take for Patrick to go from the restaurant to home and was able to see that he'd be gone for X amount of time. And so I'll have this amount of time to commit the crimes and, you know, kill myself and all this stuff. Okay. And they also said that there were closer restaurants nearby that they would often get takeout from, but Lindsay had chosen to get takeout from 3V. And they had ordered from there before, so... They're just saying, okay, she chose this specific place so that he'd be gone for this specific amount of time. If they looked, if prosecution ever looked at where I order from, clearly they would judge me very harshly. Where do you order the most from? I'll order Chipotle. I'll order from Chipotle, and then I'll order from freaking two towns away if it if it fits my fancy. That's true. Doesn't mean that, and I will argue this for her because I'm on her side. Just because she felt like 3V doesn't mean that this was premeditated. That's true. So, <clears throat> prosecution's also saying she was only prescribed four to five meds at one time. At the time that the crimes were committed, only three medications. She was only prescribed three mm-hmm. medications. I don't know what th- those three meds were. It's okay. Um, I forgive you. Thank you, D. That really means a lot. All right. So... Everyone who commented on this case, who knew Lindsay, including friends, family, Patrick, people that she's worked with, all said how out of her normal that this behavior was and she that she clearly was not in her right mind to have committed these crimes. She was not being treated correctly and... There wasn't really much of an effort placed to treat those extremely concerning symptoms that she was Mm -hmm. going through. So since January 24th, she has been at Tewksbury Hospital, where she'll be staying for the time being for medical and psychiatric treatment. Since she had jumped out the window in an effort to kill herself, Mm -hmm. she is paralyzed from the waist down and there isn't any indication that she'll be walking anytime soon. So here I just want to talk a little bit about Rachel Waters. She is another victim of postpartum psychosis. She had, I think, five, four or five kids and... She had postpartum psychosis with two of those pregnancies. After she had her her son, I think she said it was her second and fourth child. So just because you've had two normal, like Lindsay had two babies and, you know, coped pretty well with, mm-hmm. you know, and with her third baby, that's when she had increased anxiety and all of these psychiatric issues that followed but this prosecution, I know, emphasized, oh, she had these two normal postpartum periods with her two other kids. Why did she not have a normal postpartum with Cal, her latest baby? And it's like, 
okay, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. You know, you, you can't just kind of um, dismiss postpartum psychosis because it's not uniform for her other pregnancies. They couldn't even diagnose it right. Yeah. They diagnosed it as GAD. How do yep. they know she didn't have it? And what's crazy is that postpartum psychosis is an anxiety-based disorder Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's based on anxiety you know you could have a wide range of symptoms with postpartum psychosis and even postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and all of it for the most part is anxiety based and it's that huge concern about you know saving your children or something's Mm -hmm. wrong with your baby or you know just all this stress that's put on them it's it's so sad but and some good news, I think that there was a new FDA drug for postpartum depression that recently was approved. Okay. What was it? Let me look it up because I cannot remember anything anymore. Zerzuve, I might be saying it wrong, but the FDA approved this med to treat postpartum depression in adults whose symptoms range from sadness to loss of energy to cognitive impairment and suicidal ideation. You take the drug for 14 days. I thought that was so interesting. That is interesting. I'm I'm glad it's getting at least some recognition. Yeah, and, so. and it's an oral medication option. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so. that's good. So back to Rachel. She thought that her son was possessed by the devil. Mm. She heard like radio music playing all the time. She heard voices. She w- said that she was basically living in fear and fighting off the voices that she was hearing. So one day she's out for a run with her husband and she turned calmly towards him and she her, her husband said her eyes looked a little distant and she said, I have to go home now and say goodbye to the kids. And her husband says, why do you have to do that? Mm -hmm. And she said, just simply, matter of fact, because I'm going to kill them. Yikes. So thank goodness her husband was a physician and he was able to recognize these symptoms of postpartum psychosis Mm -hmm. and he was able to get her treatment immediately. Good. Thank goodness. But Rachel talks a lot about postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. Mm -hmm. The treatment for postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis is not uniform. There's no standardized care for patients experiencing these conditions. It varies from patient to patient. You know, patients demonstrate very complex behaviors, and it can be extremely difficult to predict behavior, especially of psychotic patients. Yep. Again, one in seven moms experience postpartum depression. That's 50 to 80% of new moms. They can experience things like mood swings, irritability, anxiety, changes in appetite, feelings of not being good enough, seeing themselves as a bad mom. 17% of postpartum depression patients experience severe symptoms and 0.2% of new moms experience psychotic symptoms or postpartum psychosis. That is two moms in every 1,000. They 
present a danger to themselves and to others, especially their babies. Mm -hmm. They can experience disorientation, delusions, hallucinations, emotional volatility. They can have catatonia. They can have disorganized thought process. They can have strange beliefs such as seeing, you know, subliminal messages Mm. in like billboards or like a magazine or the newspaper. They just like Rachel Waters was saying she would see billboards and think that they were speaking to her Mm. and they can feel like they have like divine powers and basically a lot of the time when they have this psychosis it they have a feeling that they are in a position where they need to save their babies and themselves from evil or from harm and you know they feel like it's their only option and the psychosis makes them think that they must do it they don't have a choice the only way that like even when Lindsay was talking to patrick and said she heard a male voice telling her that she needed to kill herself and her children because it was their last chance and we don't know if maybe she was it was her last chance to save their souls or Mm -hmm. to give them salvation or who really knows what she got from that message but i do believe her actions and not saying that they were right or correct in any way they were psychotic but her actions were done in what she thought was the best interest of her babies and her family which is it's just devastating that it it just got to that point Mm -hmm. but these symptoms can wax and wane they can appear lucid just like we've talked about how prosecution pointed out how She was able to plan the murders of her babies and she was able to, you know, let me send my husband out so he won't be here so I'll have enough time and, you know, just plan every detail. But you can have the periods of lucidity Mm -hmm. and you can still plan when you're psychotic. Absolutely. You can. And it's just and something that I thought of, especially when... Patrick was saying, you know, this was one of her best best days is the day of the murders, January 24th, when she, he, like, said she seemed hopeful, and I think it's because she knew what she was planning to do, yeah. and she thought, okay, this is the day I'm going to save my family, and th- so it is warped, it's psychotic, but I do think her intentions weren't evil. Absolutely, I absolutely agree, and I think those are some really excellent points. Mm-hmm. I know that working in the psychiatric field, that a red flag to me is when the patient starts doing really, really well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what happened with this young woman, and I think that she needed more support, mm-hmm. and I think that she was projecting an image of what she thought everyone wanted to see. Exactly. And they can fear their kids being taken away. Mm-hmm. They can fear themselves being locked up. And so they try sometimes, I think, to pre- like you're saying, to present themselves in a better light so they don't have to be a burden Absolutely. for their loved ones. And I do think that's what Lindsay was doing. And her, her mom pointed out, you know, too, when she visited, like, 
it's so nice to see you doing better. Mm-hmm. And her husband, you know, what felt like it was safe to leave the kids home with her. And I really think that she probably didn't want to let them down and let them know what was going on with her. Like even in her journal, I have a touch of postpartum anxiety. I think maybe it was kind of like, you know, trying to downplay the symptoms mm-hmm. and make herself feel normal. But I mean, it, I, I can't fathom what she was going through. And I think she was she was a nurse, right? An LND nurse? Yep. And it's interesting because she knows her way around the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. She knows. She tried to be the best advocate that she could for herself by doing notes, taking her meds, mm-hmm. you know. Following up with multiple psychiatrists. Yeah, she knew something was wrong. Voluntarily admitting herself to the hospital. Absolutely. Like, she tried everything and it just, you know... And it's interesting because you mentioned initially that she was feeling more anxious at the thought of returning to work. Yeah. And I know that really any type of nursing is going to be stressful, but LND, she's around babies mm-hmm. and moms and, mm-hmm. you know, someone that's struggling right now. I, you know, who's to say that that stress isn't the tipping point that just pushed her over the yeah. edge? And also being away from her own babies Mm -hmm. was probably causing her stress because she probably felt like she was the only one that could protect them. Mm. You know what I mean? But even through all of that psychosis and the obviously horrible actions, I think that it sounds like she was coming from as twisted as it was a place of love. It wasn't something that she was trying to be vindictive or evil or hateful. Yeah. I think she was, like you said, trying to whether it was save their souls or Mm -hmm. do something to keep them safe under even with all that not being in the right state of mind exactly so five percent of postpartum psychosis patients commit suicide the number one cause of death is suicide in maternal death up to one year postpartum one-third of psychosis Postpartum psychotic patients who do get help express delusions about their babies. Mm -hmm. Just like Rachel saw that, you know, she thought her baby was possessed. I'm not sure what exactly, if if she did have any delusions, what they were, if Lindsay did. 4% kill their babies. So 5% of postpartum psychotic patients commit suicides and 4% kill their own babies. So this just, you know, you're able to recognize how serious this is and just making sure to educate other people. Like you don't even have to be in the healthcare field to educate and you don't have to just talk to pregnant or postpartum patients about this. You can talk to other people. You could talk to men who, who've gone through this or you can talk to a wide range of people mm-hmm. because Many people can relate. They know a person who's pregnant, they were pregnant, or, you know, they love someone who's pregnant. And especially being in the healthcare field, you know, just, you know, making moms aware of the severity that that they can be going through with the postpartum depression and psychosis. And better recognition by the physicians or practitioners Mm -hmm. or healthcare providers Mm -hmm. that are, you know, you need to recognize it in order to treat it. Yes. Yes. And once again, you know, the the mental health 
community, the medical system, let this woman down and let her those babies down. Absolutely. I, I agree. And they've let down postpartum patients who've gone through psychosis or depression as well. Because this is not the first time this has happened where a tragic, tragic, tragic event has mm-hmm. led to the death of babies. Look at the maternal mortality rate. Mm-hmm. Look at the infant mortality rate. Yeah. We are at the level of freaking third world countries, people. We are not freaking the superpower level for those. And it's so sad because these are the people that are historically marginalized by healthcare. And forget it. If you're not even going to get adequate healthcare, you're definitely not getting adequate psychiatric care. Mm -hmm. And the part that crushes me the most about this case is how diligent Lindsay was about trying to advocate for herself Um, yeah she tried so hard to confront the issue that was causing harm she journaled every Mm -hmm. day you know very meticulous she obviously was dedicated to preserving the health and safety of her babies and herself and herself and it's just it's it's just a devastating case but Patrick I'll and and with these words, Lindsay was generously loving and caring towards everyone, me, our kids, family, friends, and her patients. The very fibers of her soul are loving. All I wish for her now is that she can somehow find peace. And Patrick has forgiven her, and he asks others to do the same. You hear a little purring. It is little fluff boy Bubba. Yeah. But thank you all for listening. Do you, do you have any final comments? Yeah, I I just want to... I, I agree with everything that Riss touched on. We need to do better for these moms. Yeah. And their babies. Yeah. We need to have more supports in place. Mm-hmm. We need to have better recognition of postpartum illnesses. Not just... Like, not even just psych. Yeah. Like, we need better postpartum care in general. Mm-hmm. We need better care for women we need better care on a psychiatric level i'm part of the psychiatric healthcare workers and i'll tell you it's not great it's terrible uh, to be honest it's terrible and and you know we are we don't have a better a good enough understanding a lot of times we throw some the medication to the wall see what sticks you know talk therapy is fallen by the wayside you and you know that's something that's pivotal. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna just? You still have these thought processes. Look at CBT. CBT is designed to replace positive, negative thoughts with positive ways of mm-hmm. thinking, rewiring your brain essentially. Yep. What? What are we doing CBT? Yeah. And who's doing CBT? There was no talk therapy, CBT, or no. anything like that. For Lindsay, too. And when you, it was just medication. Let me change your yeah. regimen. Let me adjust your dose. 14 Let me go different through these meds. 14 different meds. This is easier. What, what be- works best. It's easier. It's yeah. easier. It's a cop out. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You got to sit down, be invested in your patient, mm-hmm. talk it out. Yeah. Are you having command hallucinations? She did this because of command hallucinations. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. There was a man telling her, you have to do this. Time is running out. And you know what? Did they assess that? Mm-hmm. 
Did they And ask? they blatantly said, you have no symptoms. Not even of postpartum psychosis, but postpartum depression. Yeah, that's that, wild. That affects 50 to 80% of moms. Shame on them. And you're going to say, oh, no, you're just anxious. It's just generalized anxiety disorder. It's just your That's nerves. It. Just your nerves. Yeah. You're, but you're let me hit you with all these psych meds. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just GAD. It's nothing. But, you know, let me just give you these meds. You know what? And this is why it's so important to advocate for yourself. If you're not a healthcare worker, advocate for yourself. Yes. If you're a healthcare worker, advocate for your patients. Exactly. And you know what? I don't mean to say... GAD is not a serious, you know, sometimes debilitating condition, but it's totally this different beast. Sim- yes, in this case, she was not just GAD. No, there was not. a lot more going on here, and you can tell by the the devastating end to this story. It's but yes, I'm sorry that we talked about such a sad case again. Rest in peace to the little angels. I know. Rest in peace and. We cannot do any more baby cases. My okay. heart cannot take right. it. Deal. We won't. Please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we have an Instagram. If you'd like to follow us, if you enjoyed listening to us, we're on Apple and Spotify, and we make episodes every week, every Wednesday to be exact. So, Dee, do you want to call it? I'm going to call it the time of death is 2018. For all you non-healthcare or military personnel, it is A18. And just want to give a special shout out on the airwaves to little Wolfie, who is turning one years old. Tomorrow. One year, one year old tomorrow. And she's such little a good baby girl. Cat. Yes, we love Wolfie. Riss's cat. Shout out to Luminari. Shout out to... Bubba, shout out to all Jack. of you. You forgot Jack, Jack. about my dog. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. We so, love you, Jack Jack. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you totally neglect me. You go, and all of you. So sweetly. But no, we and do love you guys you. too. All of our dedicated uh, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we love you. And there are not very many. So you are very near and dear in our hearts. Very, very. All right. Bye. Love, like, subscribe, share, tell everyone. Help us get one step closer to our retirement goals. <laughs> Keep killing it. You're killing Bye. it. See you next week. Bye.